Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and uh, I'm very, very pleased to introduce my first guest. Andy, you're my first guest for 2023, Mr. Andy wow. Dickens, all the way from Horsham in uh, in the UK. Welcome to the first podcast, my friend. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me on your uh, program. Awesome. It's great to um, great to have this opportunity to talk, and we'll talk about sales and all things sales leadership. And you're the founder. I've been. I've just. I was looking at your profile. Founder from uh, for twenty over twenty one years now, Virtual yeah, fact, Sales Limited. Yeah, twenty twenty two years in March this year. So, wow! Uh, and uh, quite quite interesting. When I started the company, it was pretty much a lifestyle business. Okay. You know, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll I'll do it for a few years, and then I'll go back and get a real job. And uh, here we are, nearly twenty two years later, and uh, still going strong, and love it to bits. I mean. Uh, you know, you can't be founding and running your own company, right? You know, Absolutely. The destiny is in your own hands. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'd be totally unemployable now if, uh, you know, someone asked me to go and work for that company. I couldn't do it. You kind of get to the stage where you become, what's the term? I was hearing somebody else the other day talking about, I think it, they said it was, I'm, I'm psychologically unemployable. So I could never go yep. into any organisation yeah. because of the freedom that you've got, the fact that you're making your own decisions, um, hey, the buck also stops with you. So when things go absolutely, yeah, double thumb, double thumbs up, pat, hero to me, pat on the back. <laughs> if things turn to shit, oh, I guess we we can't we can't blame the boss. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's been an incredible ride, and uh, yeah, obviously it's the longest job I've had in my yeah. career. And yeah, uh, yeah pr- prior to that, I was working for technology startups. Um, so usually employee number one or two um, yep. in Europe. Yep. Um, so Visio was a, a company that I started, um, which was a drawing and diagram piece of software. And Microsoft eventually bought the company uh, for $1.3 billion. And we went public on the NASDAQ, early doors, stock options, great ride, yeah. uh, but not life-changing. And, uh, you know, I moved on to Red Hat then, which is a, um, a Linux company, eventually bought by IBM, and who's to say I shouldn't have stayed there? Because I would, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, Darren. I'd be uh, on a beach somewhere um, in the Caribbean. But you know, that's what it is, isn't it? But we say, Andy, that everything happens for a reason, and um, it does. Yeah, we're we're here today because of um, I don't know, the stars aligned or whatever you want to believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great believer in fate. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It, it, so. As you say, things happen for a reason, don't they? Oh, they do. They do. So I'd love to talk about um, what you do today. But before we do that, just for the listeners, um, for the listeners, I'd love to do a bit of a bit of a deep dive in terms of the background, your sales background, yeah. and yeah. and I'd also like to explore what led you to starting VSL, and we'll talk about yeah. some of the, the nuances of that. So I know yeah. you've been around for a while. You've got a lot of different uh, experiences with a lot of different companies, and you mentioned two of those there, but. Yeah. Um, what's the what's the Andy Dickens story? If we were going to do an episode of This Is Your Life, yeah. Yeah. Who would the, the compare when they open the book, what would they start with? 
So, so quite interesting story. So I was at university at Sheffield, which is in the north of England. Um, had four years, fantastic time up in Sheffield at uni. And as we came towards the final year, um, had no idea what to do. I did a, a business studies degree. So it was a good all round degree. Yeah. Um, but I, I had no, no clue what I was going to do. And um, my father was into sales. And I always said, I'm never, I'm never going to go to sales, Dad. Never. What happened? So uh, one of our lecturers said, anyone fancy a career in sales? And you put your hand up. up. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so um, I went down. Uh, it was actually, um, I don't know whether you remember, there used to be dedicated word processors at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these were big, big machines, um, five and a quarter inch floppy disks. And, uh, you know, it, great technology at the time and a precursor to obviously to uh, the personal computer era. Yeah. So um, I went down to Dorking in the South of England, interviewed, got on really well with a guy, got the job and it was a um, sales support role. Okay. So my role was to uh, provide bespoke demos for the sales guys uh, for them to close the deal. Became very quickly and very apparent to me that I was doing all the work and they were getting the commission. <laughs> So, um, you know, it didn't take me long to figure out that, you know, well, I want to slice the action. So, uh, so I quickly got promoted to uh, a sales exec, um, had my own patch, um, got managed to get W1, which is the prime postcode um, in the UK, London West One. Okay. Um, and, you know, I pounded the streets, I knocked on doors, you know, um, made lots of calls. So, did all the things that, you know, uh, salespeople today probably don't do. You know, yeah. they do elements of it, but they wouldn't do the whole lot. Um, well, they have all they have of, doing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, so then, um, you know, very successful. Um, yeah, became top sales guy for the company. Um, then that company got bought uh, by an office automation company, which had mm -hmm. a fully integrated um, suite, desktop suite for voice. Um, as well as email, um, picked that up, ran with it, sold the biggest implementation that they they they'd had, um, and then got offered the opportunity to join a, a PC company called Olivetti, okay. which is an Italian company. Um, I'm sure they had um, PC selling in uh, in Australia as well. Absolutely. Um, so what did I do? So I'd, I'd done pre-sales, I'd done a bit of sales. I then felt that I needed some product marketing. Uh, behind me so i definitely um went for a product marketing role where i could get involved in not just taking a product or service to market and selling it but deciding what that product and service should be yeah so i then sent, spent um, a couple of years at olivetti in their um, um product marketing team uh developing networking products for sale and you know going out meeting resellers and uh and then users etc and then joined uh wordstar which is a uh, dedicated um, word processing software company. Um, they were number one at the time, even before WordPerfect came along. Um, joined them to head up their distribution sales. So looks after um, the distributors like Ingram and Copy2000 and, and others in the UK. Um, and the next one took me to um, back into a sales job. Um, the lure for sales was too 
too much to uh, I kept ignoring it and it was there you know on the back of my shoulders then you need to get back into sales Andy you it's, need to it's get like back a niche in. isn't it uh, so uh, you know I was I was out out of out of sales for about five years okay um and then um joined a company called Central Point Software um which eventually got bought by Norton's which was another software company so all great experience for these yeah. most of the companies I went to work for went public yeah so we had a great ride in terms of you know how to recognize revenue um how you know how to do things properly so that all yeah. your ducks were in order when, a, yeah. when acquiring company came along so all that was great great experience um so central point software was you know great great ride and then I'd say Norton bought the company and then uh, I went to join Visio. I got headhunted to join Visio. So my boss at Central Point uh, became the um, uh, general manager for Europe uh, for Visio in a startup. So we started Visio together from his front room, um, sharing a one phone line with his wife. Um, no revenue, um, nothing, completely startup. So um, by the time I left Visio five years later, I was doing $40 million a year um, in Northern Europe, which is UK. Wow. Scandinavia and the Benelux. So incredible ride. Um, hired 30 corporate sales guys, um, a team of channel sales and marketing team. You know, great ride. And I'm pleased to see that lots of the people that I employed at Visio have gone on to much bigger and better things at yeah. Microsoft and all these, yeah. you know, technology companies. So, um, and, you know, we've all said, When's it, you know, the cat, I used to get calls all the time, Andy, when's the next video coming along? You know, when, <laughs> yeah, we'd like to do it again. Um, so, um, so they, they got bought by Microsoft 1.3 viewers. So again, I walked away with a wedge of cash, but you know, not, not life changing and did the same for Red Hat, um, which is the largest Linux distribution software company in the world. Um, and again, employee number two working from my boss's house. Uh, for the first year, first office. Um, so they all follow the same pattern, really, which is, well, do. you know, no revenue, no yeah. relationship. So, you know, in a in a two-year period at Red Hat, I um, formed um, a pan-European sales team based out of Guildford um, and also uh, recruited um, a reseller network around Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Um, so we had a revenue flow coming in from nothing. So... You know, after two years, I was doing about five million um, a quarter. Um, and then the dot-com bubble burst in 2001. So I don't know whether you remember that, but... Absolutely, you know, yeah. It literally nosedived. And I'd be thinking about doing things for myself because, you know, I got fed up of being told what to do. I wanted to take destiny in my own hand. And I want to try something differently. So um, the catalyst for starting virtual sales really was um working for visio and red hat particularly because we were using classic um uh, call center companies to do our lead generation and appointment setting and what we found was that the callers were 18 to 25 graduates yeah, yeah. no experience there was no collaboration no feedback we never saw the data back waste of time waste of money yeah so i thought i could do it better so okay. i started virtual sales just me um so for the first three to six months it was me and i quickly realized that you know shit there's only 24 hours in the day right yeah absolutely uh, i can't i can't scale this business by myself so i then started uh 
bringing on um, extra bodies. Um, so the, the premise of the company is still the same as it was then, Darren, and that's we provide uh, best of breed callers, but on a part time basis. So all our callers are home based in the UK. Mm -hmm. and we call UK, Europe, Middle East and North America. And we've done a bit of Australia and New Zealand to boot as well. But obviously okay. the time zone uh, don't really. Yeah, yeah it's not conducive. Yeah. yeah, but we, we do it for some of our clients. Um, so all our callers are mature 40 somethings. They've all been around the block. Yeah. Um, and they all represent the brand of our clients very fully. So um, we don't use scripts. Everything is conversational. So we, we take the time, trouble, and effort to understand not only the value proposition for our clients, but also what the pain points are for their target audience. Mm. And then our role really is um, to be an extension of the company we work for um, and gradually build and nurture a sales pipeline for our clients. Um, and that's what we've done great for 22 years. So it's, wow. you know, it's been a, a, a great ride. So you mentioned that um, Red Hat and Vizio started, they started in a, in like a front, front bedroom. Mm. Um, mm. Was it, was it the front bedroom that VSL started as well? A different one, but uh, yeah, literally a front, a front room. <laughs> um, in fact, the back room, it was a back the room. Back, the was, back, yeah, room. Yeah. back room. Yeah. So yeah. when you when you were because you said the catalyst was you want to, you, you could do this yourself and and a lot of the people were eighteen to twenty five and maybe not as experienced yeah because um, one of the things I'd, I'd love to sort of delve into is is there's a lot of sales leaders who have a lot of pressure on them to generate some pretty big pipelines and yeah. their organisations have all this sometimes implied pressure to have things like you need to have a three times your target sort of pipeline as yeah. a, a rolling basis. Yeah. And a lot of my clients I, I talk to because they've got the same sort of challenges and and not necessarily thinking or considering the conversion rate. Yeah. But was there anything specific that you that you thought, hey, there's a there's a definite gap in the marketplace that we can fill? Um, and obviously you have because yeah. you got you got 20, 20 nearly twenty two yeah. years of of, um, yeah. of history. But what was what was the biggest challenge that you found um, breaking into that and starting starting yourself? Yeah. So what, what what I found was lots of small companies um, I spoke to, and our market is helping small companies um, you know, nurture and, and build the sales timeline. So a lot of these founders of these companies traditionally are techies. Yeah. So they've got a great product, great idea, but they don't know, um, they haven't got a clue about how to go and sell it, right? Yeah. yeah. So they just come up with a great idea. And maybe through their personal network, they managed to somehow sell, you know, a couple, get a couple of good sales with it. Um, They've caught lightning in a bottle, Andy. And then, and then what happens? They think, well, what do I do now? Yeah. So most of the conversations I had then and still have today are with founders or sales VPs of very small companies where they want to run the company and they want to close the sales. What they don't want to do is what I call the grunt work. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to get on the phone build and nurture a sales pipeline because they've got too many other things or yeah. they've done that many years ago in their um, career and they don't, they've got, don't want to go back yeah. to getting on the phone. It's hard work, right? Yeah, you know, it it's is. Not, Absolutely. not an easy task. So um, the common thing, I guess, then and now is the fact that these small companies haven't got the bandwidth, the capability or the desire to build and nurture the sales pipeline. They'd rather focus their business 
in terms of running the company and closing the deals. And our job is really just to tee up the prospects that are fully qualified. They get on a Zoom or a Teams call like this and and close the business. And then, yeah, yeah we all move on together. Yeah. Awesome. So in terms of then, because a lot of the, a lot of the challenges, as you mentioned, is they don't want to do those those you know, let's call it cold calls, right? So yeah, and I know you talk a lot about omni-channel uh, marketing and making sure you're not just using the one method, um, yeah. and making sure that you're continuing to be front of mind. And, and when I work with with sales teams, always talking about the fact that you've got to identify problems in the marketplace and yeah. be able to articulate that problems because if there's not a an exact need you might have to create a need by bringing insights to it yeah. so from from your perspective uh working with founders and smaller businesses um how how deep do you get in the sales process like do you then become part of the the sales team up until the i guess the close that the founder or the or the senior vice yeah. president or the sales vice president might 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 come into it yeah so so we we act in word and deed as if we're their SDR team, sales development representative. So yeah, yeah, we are their inside sales team. So yeah, we like to be treated the same way. So we get email addresses set up for the callers that we can send them, uh, and receive approved materials. So everything we do is is building that sales pipeline up for for the client. So um, yeah, we're we're integral to it. So obviously. Uh, before we, ta- we take on any new client, um, we send them a campaign briefing document, but they have to fill that out, and that covers who they are, what they do, how they do it, who their target customers are, and you know, there's so many companies out there that don't even know who their target customers are. So we have to help them on that in terms of right. Okay, well, let's go back to basics. Who have you sold to so far? Let's yeah. look at who you've been successful at. And then let's look and go again more of the same companies. Because obviously, if you've addressed the pain points for those two or three sales you already got, these other companies in the same space should have the same uh, pain points. And basically, we can put a story together. So, you know, we, we take the time, travel, effort to understand all that information. And then we usually have a, a call like this with the client before we start calling. And we like to hear it from the horse's mouth. You know, yeah. give us your pitch. How would you pitch it to a cold prospect? Let's hear it from you. Yeah. There's one thing being written down in a, a, a bit of paper. There's another thing getting them on the hook and asking them to, you know, pitch to me <laughs> as if you're pitching to a prospect. I always like that, yeah, because it it makes companies think. Oh, yeah, this actually, and most companies, yeah, bulk at the audit. You know, that, that's a lot of work. And I say, well, it is. But think about it. You know, the more we know about your business, the more we can articulate when we're on the phone. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about it, I'll be interested in your take on this because my experience is, and I do a bit of um, fractional sales leadership as well for organizations that don't yeah. have a big sales team, but that need some sort of methodology or need some sort of structure. My yeah. experience is a lot of these organizations, and you mentioned it before, particularly the founders who are great technicians, they've developed a great product or a great service and it's their it's their baby, right? Yeah, And so they can't help but talk about how good that particular thing is. So they've yeah. got the best product or they've got the best of breed or they've got the, the yeah. this unique proposition. Um, I'll be interested in your in your take because when you ask them to do a pitch, how much of that is based on, hey, this is the product and they go into the, all the features and benefits versus how much do you now have to educate them on, hey, it's not about the product because quite frankly, your customer doesn't want the product. They're not looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're too right. I mean, you, you know, we've got 
we've got a client at the moment and um so we set up very good um qualified opportunities for him but he he, he goes on and on and there's no so and it, the sales lady that we work with um you know she she doesn't get really that involved until he's finished and so sometimes the sales process goes awry and that is just you know that's the nature of the beast right because if if you're yeah. a founder you want to tell everyone how good your product or service is that's it. And, it and it might not necessarily address the issues that the, yeah. the prospect so you have to rein them back but yeah that is um i think that's one problem i think the other problem is that um a founder or owner of a company doesn't want to let go so that's yes. one of the big issues of a small company growing into a medium-sized company because basically it's the you know it's the arms around the products or service and you know he's not going to let go he or she are not going to let go of that baby and you know that can cause issues um in a growing company from my, oh, from my experience and that that can potentially prevent the organization from growing and realizing its fullest potential yeah. in the time yeah, frame absolutely. that it should yeah and that's you know a classic uh, example of that is when they're going for funding because clearly you know the uh, the vcs are all over the company you know like a rash um and you know to the to the founder of the company is you know it's a scary place right because they've mm. got you know they're having to give away their crown jewels or or a percentage of their crown jewels which are obviously they've had from day one and nurtured it yeah but at some stage, if the company has to, because we always talk about sustainability, and at some point they have to let go and maybe bring other people in, um, based on the evolution of that organisation, who can take yeah. the company forward because they have expertise that's going to be, yeah. I guess, commensurate or consistent with the growth of that particular yeah. company at that stage. So, yeah. it's, um, and I think uh, that that raises another issue, which is obviously um, you can't afford to get a bad apple into a very small organisation. You know, you hire um, maybe a sales VP, sales director um, that's going to focus on, you know, selling. Um, you probably won't realize for six to nine months that that individual is not right for the job. And also, it might he might not be right for the job, but also culturally, he might be a bad fit. You yeah. know, I've been in companies where, you know, you've had a bad apple come in. It's upset the apple cart. And, uh, you know, you have to deal with that individual and get rid of them. Because basically, it upsets the culture and upsets the um, you know the growing potential of the company being held back. And it also costs an absolute packet to uh, to go through the not just in terms of the I guess the employment cost, but also the lost opportunity cost and potentially the reputational damage that a bad hire can create. I was yeah. going to ask you based on that is in your role as VSL is that is that part of because uh, I'm assuming there's a lot of organizations you've sort of uh, grown with and you've seen yep. develop. And because of your experience and, and I guess your network, do you also yep. help help facilitate and bring in some good people so that there is a culture? Yeah, thing? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I've, I've taken a couple of non-exec roles um, in some of the clients we've had because yep. they don't have the experience that I've got, especially on yeah. the sales and marketing side. And uh you know, whilst I don't do it and I don't outwardly go out looking for these roles, you know, I do get asked it, you know, all the time. And obviously, if I've got spare time, I'm, I'm happy to help. But also, you know, I'm happy to give my wisdom to um, companies as they come on board, because I feel that if I'm helping them be more successful, 
they're more likely to to stay with us, you know, for the long haul. Is that called stickiness, Andy? I Are think you it might be. Are you to a proposition that's sticky? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, the other, the other um, interesting thing that we've we've done as a company is, so we're a, we're a traditional company that invoice people at the end of the month, you know, and they pay on 36 days, whatever, for, for our services, and they need to spend, you know, five to 10,000 pound a month to do that. And then one, a couple of years ago, one of our clients said to me, Andy, I've never understand why you've not sold your, your um, services as a subscription. I said, well, subscription, how, how will that work for us? That's a software as a subscription. You know, people buy Office 365 on subscription. How, how could I do that with the lead generation appointment? Team? He said, well, what you do is you basically bundle together a caller or callers, the data that you're calling from, and the reporting on the back end. And you throw in a project manager to manage the campaign and the caller so the client doesn't have to. Yeah. And you make it available on a monthly recurring revenue stream. So that basically um, what happens is that once you get going with a client, they don't cancel. So it's like a dripping tap. Mm. And so, so, so it's one of those light bulb moments. You know, bear in mind, you know, I've been in business, you know, 18 years or whatever it was at the time. And it was the light bulb moment went on. And I thought, shit, yeah, we might be able to do this. Um, and in between, um, we were in discussions with a company about buying us um, so that I could retire gracefully and everything else. And uh, one of the things that they were going to do was also introduce a subscription model. Okay. So, so I thought, I'm not going to sell. It's not life-changing for me. So basically, I went out and did it myself. So I spoke to our web guys, and uh, so they developed a, um, a platform so that our customers could do self-service um, monthly subscription with no long-term contracts. So we started off with a couple of monthly subscription. Um, we've now got five. So a client can start calling from as little as £1,000 a month right through to £5,000 a month, and we can still do our bespoke uh, packages there. Um, okay. It's all monthly, um, using Stripe technology, they pay with a credit card, and it just keeps going and going. And, yeah. um, you know, if we're doing a great job for the client, they're going to keep going. If we're not, they'll cancel the subscription. Um, so we've now migrated to probably 75% of our revenues coming from subscription. Subscriptions. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And when you, and when you think about this, cause bringing it, bringing it to, I guess, business to business sales and all the organizations that you represent thinking about their value proposition, because people listening to this, uh, they're going to be from anywhere from founders to small business um, yep. people to sometimes big corporates. And a lot yep. of them have a common problem that is I'm having challenges uh, pinpointing my value proposition. What what is my and what differentiates me from my competition? Because if yeah. it's if we have a commodity product, even though we don't think it is a commodity product, <laughs> we have this price conversation. So in the world that you operate in in the in the virtual sales limited world, how do you how do you now articulate a value proposition? And how did you go about? I know you had some ideas that were given to you in terms of the subscription model. How yeah. did you go about putting that into the marketplace? Um, because even though, and, it, and it's it's almost like, well, 
hang on, you're doing some virtual sales for organizations and helping them generate sales, but you're also yeah. a sales organization that's yeah. evolving and growing. So how do you do that? How do, how do we articulate the value proposition? Yeah. So, but, you know, one of the things that we always say to, to, to a prospect, yeah, what is, what is your value proposition? What differentiates you from your competition, et cetera? And we have to guide people a lot in that. And so, mm. you know, um, what, what does your product or service do? What is your target audience? Um, we can help them with that. So we, we've got a relationship with a worldwide database company called Cognizant, very good database company. Um, so for our clients, we can select by country to call, uh, by vertical market. So it could be financial services, it could be manufacturing, it could be public sector, whatever. Um, you can also select by the size of the company in terms of turnover and or number of employees. And then most importantly, we can focus on which job persona. So it might be chief information security officer on one hand. It might yeah. be IT director on the other. So yeah. you can pinpoint that and, and get that. So we can we can really help our clients, you know, um, reach the people in their sweet spot um, with their value proposition. So in terms of when we came up with the the new subscription, you know, as a as an offering, uh, the way that we um, we got the word out. We've got a website with 22 years of organic history. Lots of people coming on the web. In fact, our first client came on the website himself with no interaction from me or anybody else in the organization and clicked on the button. And we, you know, it was on one Saturday. I, I got a, our first subscription through with no involvement whatsoever. So that's a utopia wow. for me, right? Yeah. So that, you know, the website does the stuff. Um, other things that we use LinkedIn. So, you know, great advocate of, of LinkedIn as a platform. Um, so promote the hell out of it on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. We also use LinkedIn tools to acquire new followers. So I think, you know, I've got about 11,500 followers um, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So we find that a very good vehicle to, to find new clients. So our, you know, our sweet spot is um, small um, software technology companies you know and yeah. that's where we focus on linkedin and also we work with um other companies so we work with a company called bant which um delivers inbound um leads mm -hmm. so so they take our messaging and they go out to our target audience of small software and tech companies um and hit them with short sharp emails and they go out in sequences so okay. the first one will be you know we've got a range of you know, monthly subscription yeah, we can help you with developing your sales pipeline. You know, um, can we arrange a call? So um, what that delivers is a thing called an MQL, the Marketing Qualified Lead. So that comes into my inbox. Yeah. And then basically, you still got to get on the phone, no matter what. So then I arrange a call with the prospect um, and have a conversation, you know, find out more about them, what, you know, all the, all the things that we talked about earlier. Um, and then... Yeah, the thing that since we've got the subscription, it's dead easy to close business. Yeah. I just share my screen with the subscription. So these are the ones we offer. Which one would you prefer? Yeah. yeah. Which one are you going to go with? Yeah. You know, so it, yeah, the, the old assumptive close um, is great for that. And so the, you know, that's a very um, essential part of our armory. So we've got the, the email campaign going on the one hand. We've got the LinkedIn on the other side. And of course, as a, an outbound sales company, we've got callers um, calling for virtual sales uh, to our sweet spot. 
booking meetings for me and one of my colleagues in terms of yeah. you know helping that as well so that you know that's where the omni channel thing has gone so you know not only do we preach it we are your own dog food as well you know we're using all the tools that we find are essential for uh, for a growing company and that that brings credibility to the marketplace because the services that you are providing and selling in terms of a value proposition, you can say, well, hang on, we we do this because the way that VSL grows is by doing exactly the same thing, making sure that we are top of mind in our sweet spot, in our, in our, I guess, our customer avatar. avatar. Um, yeah. And we're, as you say, we're eating eating our own dog food. Um, and also we've recently got, we're working with a new technology company that, um, so they put some code on your website and you can track what companies have visited your website. Okay. And that, that is absolutely it's a it's a game changer because basically yeah, okay. you know the companies I'm speaking to, you can see when they've been on the website and you yeah. can see what pages they've visited. So the great thing is to see them go onto their homepage, a couple of the other pages, read some testimonials, case studies, and then go on the pricing page. So once they go on the pricing page, that's a clear indicator to me that they're they're interested. They've got some um, likes and then, yeah. then you can pick up a phone and give them a call, say I notice you've you've been on the website, you know, um, have a look at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Have you got a camera following me? How do you know that? <laughs> Big brother, but it really. So we're now we're now offering our clients that service as well. Yeah, that's, basically, cool. that's going to help help our success rate. So you know, just by putting a bit of code for a few hundred pound a month, it's really going to help um, the success of our campaign. Yeah, and so with with all of this, because I know that there'll be people listening to this and and. <clears throat> I've never been a big, uh, a big fan, if you like, of cold calling. I've had, I've had to do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not the best. Um, do you believe? I mean, I, I know that cold calling still has a mar- has a market position and a place to play. Um, yeah, and a part to play in in business. And a lot of organisations build a company based on we're just cold calling experts. Yeah. Um, what do you say to people out there who have pressure on them? um is there is there a is there a philosophy is there some sort of um i don't know strategy that you you need to be aware of when it comes to cold calling because i don't know whether it's just beliefs that people have but you know i i often get cold called from all over the place and they start with we do this service would you like to have a conversation etc etc so you know what what sort of advice based on having done this for so many years um, what advice do you have for, for sales leaders and salespeople out there who are forced to do this cold calling? How do we make it easier? Yeah. Well, firstly, cold calling is not easy. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> everyone would enjoy doing it and we wouldn't be in business probably. Um, I would I would suggest it's an art form. Mm. Yeah, it, re- it really is because only the best callers um, enjoy doing it, you know, and they do it day in, day out because – they really love the challenge of building and nurturing that relationship with that prospect, finding out what the pain points are. So the last thing you want to do is just get on the phone and start talking about you and your product and service being the best <laughs> thing. Yeah, dead. Yeah, Absolute waste of time. So um, I'd also suggest that cold calling has probably changed over the last 10 years or so. And it's more about quality than quantity. Yeah. So in the old days, it used to be, you know, 150 dials a day, you know, and you know, X amount of conversation. 
Now it's about making sure you've got the right individual that you're going to speak to that's going to have the pain point for your uh, customer's product or service. Yeah. Um, so date, data is an integral part of what we do. The better the data, mm. the better the results of the campaign. And that, you know, and that's why we we've developed a relationship with Cognizant you know, as a, a premier partner for, for data. We also use um, tools like LinkedIn to research yeah. for new um, contacts in an organization. And we've got a, um, a piece of kit called Lusher, uh, which is an Israeli technology company. And that's shipped on top of LinkedIn. And basically, from someone's profile, you can get uh, mobile numbers and email addresses. Even if they're not stored or shown. They were, yeah, exactly wow. right. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that you can imagine the pandemic, you know, everyone started working from home. Yeah. We thought our business is just going to go absolutely no, it went like that. So yeah. basically, um, and the reason was using Lusher, we were able to get big people working at home on their mobile phones. Yeah. And because they were, they had time in hand, they talked to us a lot. So we had more meaningful conversations during the pandemic than we ever did before yeah so uh, yeah so it's i think it's changed a lot it's no longer just you know having a you know a list of num numbers to call and calling you you've got to do your homework um you've got to be um you've got to understand fully your value proposition but also you need to understand what the pain points are yeah. for the guys that you're speaking to and your role as a cold caller is really to flush out those pain points, ask open-ended questions. Um, so you don't want to even talk about your products or service. Yeah. You know, it's all about them. Tell, you know, tell me about what problems you've got, you know, in this regard. Yeah. And once they start talking, they'll talk, you know, if they've got issues, they're gonna, you know, talk and talk and talk. So you can you can really get those, you know, pain points. Then it's a case of, so if I could um provide a company that's going to address XYZ. Uh, would you be happy in terms of moving ahead? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. can I book a call um, with my colleague Fred at two o'clock next Thursday? Yeah. So it's, you know, it makes life easier. Um, so you, when you're on a call as a cold caller, you're not selling anything. So people people say to me, what are you selling? I'm not selling anything. Yeah. I'm finding out about your business, mm. finding about what issues you might have. And then basically once we understand that, we may have a solution for you to address those issues and make your life easier. But we don't know until we have a conversation and we need to discover a yeah. few things. Yeah. And, you know, without doubt, the phone is the most important vehicle in a salesperson's armory to reach someone. You know, Isn't that yes, interesting, though? You could, yeah, yeah, it is. And you can send emails, but look at the response rates you get. You know, from oh. cold emails, it's you know, less than half a percent, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and you have to be mindful of GDPR in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a privacy. Um, so you're not supposed to reach out to people that are, um, have said, I don't want you to call me. So you've got to be mindful that they're, they're not on the GDPR register or telephone preference service. So mm. um, Cognizant addresses that. It's fully GDPR compliant. So the book you know, stops yeah. with them. And then we have, um access to telephone preference service so we can check each and every number before we call someone because mm. the last thing you want to be doing for your client is them ending up with you know a massive fine for calling someone who doesn't want to be called so that you know it's you know the job is not for the faint-hearted 
No, it's not. And but... that's, that's why we can really help companies because we've been doing it so long. We understand, yeah. you know, the strategy, the methodology and what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So, you know, we, even before we start, we can tell yeah, some customers we turn down because basically we know there's not going to be a flyer, you know, yeah. and that's important for them and us. Absolutely, because there'll be a lot of organisations that you say, hey, there's not a fit, so we'd be doing you a disservice and we'd be doing us a disservice if we pushed ahead for a solution, which a lot of organisations yeah. do because we have pressure on getting a target. So there's this yeah. old sales sort of mentality. I've got a live customer, a live prospect. I've got to try and close them. So I use my yeah. script. I use all the different opportunities to overcome objections and all that sort of stuff, which is just rubbish. You said an interesting thing before in terms of the phone. And my perspective and my experience on this is there are a lot of salespeople today that would rather die than use the phone. They would rather rather use email, text messages. Yeah, Uh, I don't know whether this is a a demographic in terms of age or whatever the case might be, but even my kids and, you know, they're 19 and 22, they would they would rather die than talk to somebody. They yeah, they want to communicate via via messaging, right? So, for salespeople out there, you you've got to understand that in 2022 and 2023, now we're in the telephone can be a differentiator, and you've got to get Absolutely. off these virtual platforms as quickly as possible to have yeah. a conversation because that's the only way yeah. you kind of close deals. Absolutely, yeah. You can't, yeah. In my opinion, you can't move the sales pipeline forward without having a conversation. No. Yeah. Unless you're very, very lucky, you know, yeah. you know, you might get a bluebird coming in, you know, from an email you've sent out. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Your email was so well timed. It addresses all my concern. Um, I've already signed up on your website, um, you know, and, and sent you the documentation. Um, but, How that? but in the real world, it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but I did have that once when we launched this subscription. That was amazing. And it's a good feeling, but it's not. You can't rely on your in your entire business growth based on that. So we have to do the the hard work. And I guess the, yeah. the I guess the key message out of all of this is um, utilize the technology that's available to us. But the fundamentals of sales have pretty much not changed, and that is you've got to have a conversation. <clears throat> yeah. You've got to be able to articulate a problem, and you've got to make it not about your product. Yeah, yeah, and definitely not about your product. Don't talk no. product or service. No, yeah, it's you. It's you, Mr. Punter. Absolutely. What are your problems? What are your issues? Yeah. 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 Oh, you don't have any. So um, everything's perfect and hunky-dory. So we just had a nice conversation there. That's what we're saying. There's no problems. Yeah. Everything's fantastic. Yeah. Good luck yeah. and have a great yeah. life. Wish- yeah, absolutely. There's plenty more people I can speak to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So when we look at uh, 2023, and, and you mentioned before that you thought that when COVID, COVID hit and people were working from home that – it might have had a detrimental impact on the business, but in actual fact, yeah. it went the opposite. When you look forward for your organisation and looking at the business marketplace that you're that you're working in, what are some of the challenges that you that you are grappling with or or seeing that we should be mindful of as salespeople, but also as sales leaders? Yeah, so I think the big one for us, certainly in Europe um, and in the USA, uh, probably in Australia as well, is you know this. The whole war in Ukraine is having an, you know, an impact on everybody's lives. You know, it's yeah. a, you know, costs have gone spiraling through the roof. Um, we're seeing technology companies. So I'll see that today Microsoft have laid off 10,000 staff worldwide. Um, all the big companies that recruited during the pandemic, all these, and now laying people off. 
and that affects people's life. Yeah, you does. know, I saw a story on LinkedIn this morning with it was a post from you know some uh, girl who'd been at Microsoft for for five years, and they basically just cut her job. So unless unless she gets a sponsor for someone, she's going to have to be um, deported from the US back to her home country. Wow. So you know, I think the big the biggest challenge we all have today is um the economic crisis we're finding ourselves in you know fueled by the war um which is really you know um hit home hit home in people's pockets so people are nervous about um recruiting salespeople at the moment but i i would say that's a great thing for a company like virtual sales because basically if a company is getting rid of all their salespeople or a lot of them they still need to do sales to survive in that company that's where we can come in so yeah. we can help that company um, because we're not employed. It can come out of the marketing budget or yeah. any budget to pay for it. Um, and basically, we can help them to stoke up the fire again and be successful. Um, and then either replace their internal sales team, which we've done in a number of companies in the past, or work in conjunction with you know the sales team in terms of you know, uh, fueling the fire giving them qualified yeah. opportunities to, to close. So, you know, I think um, I think the future is looking pretty rosy for us right now in terms of uh, as a consequence of um, a downturn. You know, yeah. we've, if I look back over the years, we've always done really well when economies are struggling and people are firing salespeople. We've always done well. Does it, does it ever, based on your long history in sales, though, does it, all, does it ever make you wonder what must be going through some of these executives' heads when they're making a decision to cut sales because they're literally cutting off the nose to spite their face? Don't they realize that sales is a lifeblood of their business? I think they do, but they look at the costs, you know, and it's usually, you know, these decisions are usually driven by the finance guys, aren't they? You know? Yeah, they are. Um, they are. We've got, yeah. we've got, you know, and a lot of these companies have, you know, they've opened fantastic mega offices um, and now people are working from home in a hybrid fashion. They might be going into the office once a day, uh, yeah, once a week, once a week uh, at most. Yeah. So you've got all that real estate tied up. Um, what do you do? You know, you're tied into contracts. You got to just sell it. Yeah. Um, but so then you've got this imbalance of cost. Um, so with a, a CFO's head on, he'll say, you know, they're expensive. We're yeah. going to cut them. Yeah. Um, and you know the the poor the poor sales and marketing VPs um, are sitting there thinking, how am I going to hit my numbers when you know you've you've got you've reduced my workforce by half, yeah. you know, but you still want me to do the same numbers? Yeah, ain't gonna happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Unless right. I get some help, and obviously they then start googling you know outsource um, sales pipeline, and we pop up and then we have a conversation. So well, there you go. You know, it, the VS, VSL the continues, and VSL might actually become the behemoth in the marketplace. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. <laughs> right, awesome. Hey, so great. It's been a great conversation, and uh, I know you've got um, another call to be on shortly. But if um, if people were, if there was one piece of advice that you would give, and it might it might have been similar to what we've just been talking about. Yeah. If there's if there's one piece of advice you'd give to. Um, either a founder or a sales leader looking to um, take advantage of the opportunities because there will be opportunities available yeah. in 2023 um, based on your experience and what you're seeing in the marketplace, what would that advice be? 
So I think my advice will be don't panic, hmm. Mr. Manning. You know, keep a cool head. Um, look at internally um, your value proposition and who you've sold to, et cetera. And then go and you know, source data for similar companies to those. And then you know, get on the phone and start developing your own sales and pipeline. And then you'll quickly realize that you, you haven't got the time or the inclination and effort to do that. And then give me a call because we can certainly help you. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And so with that, where can people find more information about you um, and uh, Virtual Sales Limited? Yep. So they can find more information on me on LinkedIn. So Andy Dickens, D-I-C-K-E-N-S. Um, happy to link. Um, they can find more information on our website, which is virtual-sales.com. Um, they just Google Virtual Sales Limited. It will come up with our website and uh, they'll be able to make contact. Always Great. happy to have a conversation with uh, a founder or you know, one of the original founding members of the company in terms of you know just a, a discovery call you know you know what are you doing you know might be able to guide them in some way so yep. if i can help them i will yeah brilliant brilliant and we've got listeners all over the world um a lot of them in australia so i know you mentioned you do do some work with with organizations in australia so um we'll make sure that that detail is in the show notes and um great stuff it's been a uh, been a great great conversation and thank you for um thank you for using your daylight hours because as as of this recording, it's um slight time difference <laughs> in, in Australia no, versus the UK. <laughs> yeah. No, brilliant. I love lovely to talk to you, Darren. And uh, I hope you know some of what we talked about has struck a chord with some of your listeners. And uh, you know, if some of the some of the things that we talked about there can help them uh, to be more successful in 2023 and beyond, uh, you know, that's been well worth it. Absolutely. I think um I think I think you're right. There's a lot of I mean the industries continue to evolve, companies continue to evolve, but with the evolvement become it comes with opportunity. So um the more we can do to continue to move forward, the the better. So it's been a been a pleasure, mate. And um Absolutely. Love love talking so, to somebody from Horsham. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you go and get some sleep and I'm 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 on to the next call. You go on to your next call and I'll um, I'll get some sleep. It's been great talking to you. <laughs> great. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.